Welcome to the Wellness Connection with Fiona Kane. This podcast aims to provide inspiration and education, begin discussions and explore various aspects and strategies around life and wellness. As an experienced nutritionist, holistic counsellor and mind-body eating coach and a woman experiencing my own life and health issues, I have my own unique experiences and approach to these topics. I'm also open to learning. Join me and we can explore these topics together. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Connection podcast with Fiona Kane. I'm your host, Fiona Kane. Today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about kind of the opposite of what I normally talk about, as in one of the things I talk about a lot is about listening to your body. I want to talk about when not to listen to your body or not so much not listen but when to not make assumptions about what messages you're getting and when to look for more information to dig a little bit deeper. So I'll give you some examples of what I mean. So one of the things that I see in in my clinic is I do see a lot of people with digestive issues and I hear a lot of people talk about various digestive issues. And what they often do is they relate that issue to a particular food. So it's like I have an issue with gluten or dairy or whatever it is. Now, sometimes that is absolutely true. Sometimes it is a specific food and the solution is not to eat the specific food or to have less of that food. However, it is worth diving in a little bit deeper and seeing what is the actual cause of those symptoms. So, and and symptoms can be quite varied. So, the causes can be quite varied. So, for example, I see people often say that they have difficulty when they try and eat meat, they have difficulty digesting meat. And meat generally is fairly easy to digest. So if you are having that problem, then the question is about your digestion, your whether or not you're making enough digestive enzymes, if you've got enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach to deal with that meat because we need hydrochloric acid in our stomach to break down the meat. Now, a lot of people have nutrition deficiencies and if you are deficient in certain minerals, you will not be able to make that. Um, you will not be able to make that hydrochloric acid. So one of those minerals in particular is sodium that your body uses to make hydrochloric acid, which is needed to break down food in your stomach, particularly proteins. It's very useful for things like steak and meat. So having a sodium deficiency, which is not uncommon because people are avoiding it like the plague because they're told it's evil. (laughs) And like a lot of things in nutrition, there can be there's factual parts of that and less factual parts of that. If you have um, an issue with a blood pressure issue, if you have high blood pressure, then you probably will benefit from having a lower sodium diet. Not a no sodium diet, but lower sodium But if you have normal healthy blood pressure, then having sodium slash salt in your diet is quite all right. It's just all about dose really and the dose for that person. The other thing too is that with sodium, with salt, if it's something that 
is just coming in natural food, like it's in your fish, or if it's something that you know you're adding a good quality salt to your meals, it's not an issue in most cases. Uh, if it's coming in your packaged foods and it's enormous amounts of sodium in a packaged food, different story. So generally speaking, often it's not the uh, the natural food itself that's the issue. It's kind of how it's packaged and how much you have, all of that sort of stuff. So anyway, getting back to the person who doesn't have enough uh, hydrochloric acid, they're not going to be able to digest certain foods very well. Even, um, even, for example, one of the common reasons that people have low hydrochloric acid in their stomach is because they're taking antacids or they're taking proton pump inhibitors. So things like Nexium, and I think the other one might be Somac, if I'm getting it right. I sometimes forget the names of medications. But essentially there's a class of medications called proton pump inhibitors, and the reason that they are used is to reduce the acid in your stomach to reduce symptoms, and the symptoms are usually symptoms of acid reflux, that, that kind of issue. So if you're getting a lot of uh, reflux, a lot of acid sort of coming up into uh, up through your esophagus and up and sort of burning and maybe even a little bit of vomity, that sort of stuff coming up, then that's uh, acid reflux. And even though it's actually not it's not caused by too much acid, it's caused by acid being in the wrong place, but not too much acid. One of the things that can, I won't say the word fix, but can reduce the symptoms and resolve it at least short term is proton pump inhibitors, which inhibit the stomach's ability to uh, make stomach acid, the body's ability to make stomach acid. So what happens is you end up with less stomach acid, so your symptoms reduce. However, you now can't digest your proteins very well. And so proteins will sit in your stomach for longer and they're more likely to actually it's sometimes it's what's caused the problem in the first place because if you've got low nutrients, you're not making enough stomach acid already and then that steak meal sitting in there for two, three hours, you just can't digest it, it is going to start coming back up. So sometimes the solution for the thing, you know, the, the cause of the thing, it's <laughs> it gets circular, right? So the reason you had the symptom is because of low stomach acid and then you treat and then you get the acid up, comes up higher. So you assume it's high stomach acid. So you take a medication to reduce the stomach acid, which makes the problem worse as far as the not having enough acid to digest your food. It might make the symptom better, uh, but not necessarily the overall fix the problem. Uh, proton pump inhibitors have their place. And sometimes if people have uh, various uh, sort of functional uh structural issues like if you have a hiatus hernia where your stomach is sticking up through your esophagus sometimes in those situations they are appropriate and they are required uh, because um, burning your esophagus is a really bad idea too so it's, you know they have their place everything has its place but sometimes it's like if you look further into it and you realize it's not a structural problem but it's that you know don't have enough stomach acid maybe we need to treat a nutrition deficiency first and when we treat the nutrition deficiency there's less of an issue maybe you're not making enough of the um, of the digestive enzymes and some of that comes from nutrition deficiency sometimes there's certain herbs or herbal teas or different things you can do to encourage that along but it's kind of looking it's going a few steps back so uh, yes listen to your body absolutely listen to your body I'm always pro listening to your body, but it's kind of about saying, okay, 
don't make sweeping assumptions when you listen to your body. Listen to your body and then do some exploration, ask some questions, but don't listen to your body and going, oh, I can't, I can't eat that thing. And it is a very common thing. I see it a lot in people who do more vegetarian or vegan style diets and when you do that, often you end up with a lot less nutrition, a lot less nutrients, and you're not absorbing some. Some of it's due to the fact that you're not eating it, and some of it's due to the fact that you're not absorbing it because it's harder to absorb some um, vegetarian style foods and nutrients. And then what happens is if you reintroduce meat or you have some meat, you have trouble digesting it. And then you say, yeah, see, that's proof that I should be having this vegetarian diet because I just don't seem to be able to digest the meat. But it's a vegetarian diet that's often causing the problem of digesting the meat. So uh, it's just, you know, it's a bit more complex than A equals B. Sometimes that does that is the thing but sometimes it's uh, just more complicated than that so I invite you to just be a bit more inquisitive about it be a bit more curious about it. come and see someone like me or as another health professional but essentially uh, don't make sweeping judgments or or um or con- conclusions about things until you've explored them a little bit more uh, another example of not listening to your body or listening to it, but uh, but being inquisitive about about it, is if you uh, sort of don't like if you don't like the flavors of a lot of foods, if you're struggling with eating foods of all different flavors, sometimes again nutrient deficiencies can cause that issue. So, for example, if you are zinc deficient, uh, you things don't taste quite as they should. So things might taste bad to you. So sometimes it's a case of, you know, once once you've increased those nutrients either in your diet or maybe you've had um, some supplements and things to get those nutrients up, once you do that, you go back and try that food again, you actually might find that you like the food. So it's, it's, it's worth exploring that. And also too from it, like if you're a young person, particularly a child, will often reject certain foods. They have loads more. They have loads, loads more. Um, uh, t- what are the <laughs> brain, brain, come back, brain? Loads more um, detectors. Taste. What are they called? Taste buds. It's like what are those things called? Taste buds. They got loads more taste buds on their tongues and so they will taste like things taste stronger and so sometimes they kind of oh they they, they don't like the taste of certain things but they do what they will like it in the future and so if you kind of immediately say you know my child doesn't eat x and doesn't like x when they're two when you just say that forever they often don't go back and explore it again when often a few years later, even a few months later, uh, that it'll be quite acceptable to them. So instead of kind of saying that's a food that so-and-so doesn't eat, let's just like remove it and not have it around, just just casually reintroduce it a few weeks, a few months, a few years later, whatever it is, and you'll often find that that person can eat that food. So you need to explore things like uh, with children, it's just about taste buds and as they have less, things taste a bit better. But uh, with children and adults, uh, often it is a zinc deficiency. So when someone has a zinc deficiency, they just will, uh, things will taste weird to them so they won't enjoy certain flavours. So it is worth exploring things like a zinc deficiency if someone is um, 
if someone is not enjoying certain flavours or thinks things taste a bit funny. Um, even I've seen that with um, a lot of people who um, I won't name it because YouTube is a bit weird, but uh, but the <laughs> the virus that's sort of having its go around again uh, with people with the C virus. Uh, so often like a side effect or a, a result of it can be that people have that think they can't taste very much. So sometimes with those people actually even um, dosing them up on zinc can really help get their taste back again. So um, so just yeah, be aware that uh, yeah, lack of zinc can really affect flavours and, and how you um, perceive taste. So the other one here too is, I'm just checking my notes. Is this when you, when you're craving sugar? So, I mean, it is a sign, and I think all of these things are a sign. And like your body just gives us, it's messages, right? So we get messages all of the time from our body. And so when you're craving sugar, it's not necessarily a sign that you should go and eat a bunch of sugar. <laughs> it's like you know, A doesn't eat B, equal B sort of thing. But it is a sign that there's you've got to explore why you're craving a whole lot of sugar. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this before, but my grandmother used to always say that you, you crave what you need and that is true and it's not true at the same time because when you are healthy and well and your body is in balance, it is absolutely true. You do, do crave what you need and sometimes when you're craving that sugar, well, you're craving carbohydrate, it is because your blood sugar has gotten a bit low and it's because you haven't eaten for five hours or six hours and, of course, of course you're craving carbohydrate. It doesn't need to be a Snickers bar. It can be your next meal uh, or a piece of fruit or something like that. But, um, but the, you know, so sometimes – you do crave what you need or you will uh, crave more foods with, you know, uh, so women crave more sort of say chocolate uh, around um, premenstrual time and, you know, chocolate contains magnesium but it also contains sugar. So it's like which one are they going for? There's an, there's an emotional element and possibly a physical element there as well. But, yeah, so we can and, and pregnant women often crave sort of really weird things but they often crave really high densely nutrient foods um i know that uh the, uh, the nutritionist rebecca um who works for informed health she which is my business <laughs> she was craving uh haggis in her last pregnancy and so she started eating and there's, and there's a lot of nutrition in haggis so all of a sudden she's having haggis for breakfast and um and yeah so it, yeah so that my grandmother was right. However, if you have a really poor diet, so if all you eat is kind of junky stuff and all you eat is, you know, cereal followed by muffins, followed by maccas, followed by Coke and chocolate and chips and whatever, you are going to only crave carbs and things because and salt and, and just really, really uh, that sort of refined foods that are ever really, really salty, uh, really, really fatty and not necessarily the good kind of fats and or really, really um, sh sugary or you know, carby. You're going to crave all those because you're going to have, you're going to be low in minerals and nutrients, other nutrients, and you're going to have blood sugar dysregulation, blood sugar all, all over the place. And, you know, and also uh, you've just, uh, you, when we eat an imbalanced diet, our blood sugar just goes up and down, up and down, up and down. It's sort of no kind of um, nice sort of, 
uh, nice slow up and downs, which is what you have when you um, have protein with every meal and don't overdo the carbs and eat good fats and things like that. So generally speaking, a poor quality diet will be sort of lower in protein and lower in good fats and things like that. So generally speaking, up and down. So moods go up and down, cravings go up and down, blood sugar goes up and down. So you'll be craving carbs. And also uh, in that situation or in other situations for various reasons, you could have your gut bacteria could be out of balance. And when your gut bacteria is out of balance, uh, then you um, will often crave a lot of carbohydrate, a lot of sugary foods because sugary foods actually feed the bacteria. And they feed that kind of wrong bacteria that's causing the problems. Um, so you and so you end up with more of those bacteria, and then you have a stronger craving because there's more of them that want to be fed, right? So see, it's around and around. So again, it's a case of listen to your body, listen to listen to signs and, and signals, but. Uh, don't always your first interpretation of that is not always accurate or is not always the whole story. So it's kind of about yeah, listen to your body, but be curious. Be curious about what the answers might be. Um, be curious about what to do uh, when you hear that uh, from the body. Um, the other thing too would be um, just uh, in sort of finishing. The other thing would be anxiety when we have anxiety listening to our body. So. Of course, anxiety is an important signal and sometimes you have anxiety for a really good reason. You know, you're walking into a car park late at night. There's a reason you have anxiety and sometimes, you know, there's intuition there, kind of like, what are we going? Maybe you should go back inside. Uh, so sometimes, you know, we have anxiety. That's the reason we have it and absolutely listen to that. Sometimes we have anxiety because we're just pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. We're trying something new. Uh, and so we're just we're pushing ourselves a bit. We're doing something that's a, that's a bit scary and, um, and it's healthy because it is actually, you know, pushing us to the next thing. So, again, that's a – you might sort of observe a, a sort of a, an anxiety, but it's about – it's not just saying, oh, I feel anxious, that's always bad, I won't do the thing. It's like, I feel anxious, what's it telling me? Um, it's either telling you, you know, um, go and find help, go and, you know, ring for help, go back into the crowded place you were just in and don't stay in the car park on your own, or it's telling you to, um, that's okay, uh, this is, uh, all of your uh, stress hormones are coming in to help you meet the challenge of the new thing, uh, the speaking engagement or the job interview or the first day on the job or whatever it is that um, you're feeling anxious about. So I just want to remind you that, yes, our body does give us all sorts of messages and it is important to listen to them. So I'm all about listening to your body. So it's not so much saying don't listen to your body. Absolutely do listen to your body, but be aware of how you – of how you interpret what your body is telling you, the story you tell yourself about what your body is telling you and what you do about it because sometimes it is an invitation to explore. It's not, it's not a complete answer. So just be aware that, um, yes, listen to the signs, but it's not always as simple as 
I don't feel good when I eat this food, therefore I should never eat this food. Um, unless, of course, you come out in spots immediately or having an anaphylactic response, that's very different, of course. But if it is um, particularly difficulty with digestion, uh, it's good to explore all the reasons why that might be the case. Anyway, I hope that was useful to you. Uh, please like and subscribe and share and comment and give me feedback. And um, I really appreciate, especially if you share any of my episodes and let your friends know about my podcast. That is much appreciated. And I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you again next week. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe and share to help me reach more people. Go to the link in show notes for more information about my services. And until next time, please keep showing up for yourself.